Hello, welcome to the newest edition of the ALS Association Greater Philadelphia Chapter Podcast. I'm Tony Heil, your host and the Director of Communications and Public Policy at the Chapter. And 2017 marks our Chapter's 40th anniversary. So there's lots of ways that we can look forward, but before we look forward, it's always fun and interesting to look back. And we've had some really powerful stories on our podcast, on our YouTube channel, which has over 115,000 views, and on social media and our website and whatnot. But uh, now we're going to have some fun and with a little What Happened When series with our friend Joan Borowski. Joan, welcome again. Thanks, Tony. I'm very excited to be sharing some really, really, really fun events. Because when you work with a disease like ALS, which is a very debilitating disease, you got to have a sense of humor infused in what you do. And no one has the most more ridiculous stories or times than you. But most of the things you remember aren't that ridiculous. But so we're going to share some moments over the past 20 years. Now, Joan, you st- and, and let people know about like your involvement, uh, what you saw at different events. It was a big, the chapter was a much different place in 1997. So in 97, uh, the world was different. We didn't, everyone wasn't online. We weren't, um, Let's see, we, we didn't have social media, or the chapter was a lot smaller, um, no one knew what ALS was, we can, obviously some people did, but, uh, and now the world's much more connected and scary in different ways, but tell us what it was like when you walked through the doors and joined here in 1997. What's really interesting is 1997 was the 20th anniversary of the chapter, and 2017 is the 40th anniversary of the chapter. And if you had asked me in 1997 when I walked into the door of our office on Harvest Drive in Bluebell, Pennsylvania, and saw maybe six people working there, if I would still be here 20 years later, I could never have given you an answer. I got an interview with Ellen Phillips and a wonderful man named Dick Cantor, and I had no idea what ALS was. When I found out I had an interview with the ALS Association, Greater Philadelphia Chapter, there was no available internet to the average person walking down the street. And that was me. Right, no one had a cell phone. I mean, if they did, there was like those car phones, the 80s stuff. So I actually went to a library, looked up ALS, Saw Lou Gehrig. I'm originally from New York. Knew who Lou Gehrig was. Don't hold that against me, please. I don't think it's something to hold against you. Okay. And I, um, so I found out a little bit about ALS. And Ellen and Dick Cantor interviewed me. Dick was an awesome, awesome guy. Very professional. And Ellen kept covering up papers on her desk while she was interviewing me because I am known to have a very roving eye. If you have something on your desk, I don't even do it surreptitiously. I am right front and center looking at what you're doing because maybe I can help or maybe I can learn something. Some people find that a little invasive. Yeah, it is a little invasive. I think you knew that my wife was pregnant before she did. I think you knew the gender of her kids. I, I totally did. Anyway, I started out and we had no internet and there were, as I said, about six people in, in the whole office and um, it was fascinating. There was no, the biggest thing that has happened in the 20 years that I have been here, and I know it's not really humorous, is the 
not only the birth, but the, the progression of um, computers, the internet, and social media. There's no nothing that comes close to that. It has changed everything that we do here, all for the better, absolutely for the better. We haven't lost the personal contact, but we utilize those tools to communicate with our ALS families and the entire ALS community, and that is really a very positive thing. So Elisa Brownlee worked here. She's now our assistive technology specialist. There was no assistive technology. No one had any idea what that was. Elisa right. used to run the events for patients, and then she, because she was technologically savvy and she had the interest, she morphed her position into becoming one of the few assistive technology specialists in the country. So Elisa's um, relationship with the chapter blossomed because she had worked for a hotel chain that gave out free chocolate chip cookies. So she would go to this hotel and we had some of our patient services events at this hotel and she would always come back to the office with chocolate chip cookies. So and your first memories of the chapter are cookies? Pretty much and that hasn't changed a lot because when any new person starts here and there's food in the kitchen they always say, and I think it was you, Tony, who actually did this. I said, Tony, there are cookies in the kitchen. You said, I'll get them later. I said, don't count on it. Sure enough, you went back to the kitchen 15 minutes later and there weren't any cookies. Um, yes, I have gained and like gained a lot of weight being here. I'm trying to lose it. And for people who don't, most people are in our office that often that listen to this. And most of the time when there's food in the office, everyone points to you as the reason it's there. And then you say, oh, I didn't want this, so I bought a lot of it for everyone else. I only bring in food that I know I won't eat. I don't like peppermint patties. I bring those in. Any you never brought pepper in peppermint patties. Yeah, but we used to have this box for Halloween that was at one of our event staff person's desk. And every time you opened it, it went, whoa. And that... I always put peppermint patties in that box because I knew I would eat them. That's right. the way I buy food. But back to the beginnings of the chapter. I was worried that I wouldn't have enough to say in this session, but it seems like I can't I shut think up. We can, I think we can be here until the third <laughs> Friday. <laughs> when I started in 1997 at the chapter's first anniversary, right after that, I had the privilege of meeting... The Farber family. So they were involved in the 90s? Yes. In the late 90s, they gave their first grant of $50,000. was a matching grant. And the way that they got involved were, was twofold. One, Vicki Farber's dad, Joseph Weinberg, had ALS and passed away in 1962. And Vicki never forgot the impact that that had on her life and her family's life. And then on top of that... We had a patient named Jerry Merzinski who worked for a company that the Farbers owned. Um, it was At that time, it was called Berwick and Paper Magic, and they made uh, Christmas decorations, ribbons, holiday cards, and Jerry had ALS. And believe it or not, to this day, Jerry truly is a miracle. He is still alive and still somewhat involved in the chapter. He lives in Mountaintop which is an area that the chapter covers mm -hmm. as well. So, um, Just pretty high up there. Yeah, it's high up there. It's outside of Scranton, but it's, it's up there. Um, in any event, back in 1998, we had our first ALS day at Maury's Pierce. 
and I got to meet the Maury family. And Mrs. Maury, who unfortunately had Was ALS, Meredith there? Meredith Fiorucci was there at Maury's Piers. It was my first time. Meredith still looks the same and weighs the same as she did after four children since 1998. That's because she doesn't work with you no, handing out cookies. she doesn't work with me who brings in peppermint patties. You know, it's not the peppermint patties. It's the cookies, the cakes. <laughs> I didn't bring in anything today. But I'm going to go out and get something now that you said that. Yeah. Um, so the Maury family was very involved. And Mrs. Maury, who had ALS, used to take this very large wheelchair that could go onto the beach in Wildwood. I don't know if you've ever been to the beach, but they have a phenomenal beach there. It's really wide. And they used to roll her out on the beach in Wildwood. And to this day, the Maury family is super involved in the ALS cause. We still have the ALS Express bike ride. Right. That was the first one in 1998. And the Maury's offer their Maury's Piers, um, their amusement parks, and their water slides, etc., to our ALS families. It's a donation from them, which is pretty amazing. And the first one, I was there with Elisa Brownlee again, and Shonda Schilling, and Peg Morandini of the Phillies, and somehow they got me on a water slide, super scary ride, wearing all my clothes. I had on shorts and a bright green t-shirt. I will never forget it. And I screamed so loudly that I could not speak for three days after that. I don't believe you. It's true. It's true. And so I kind of have to segue that into people like Peg Morandini and Shonda Schilling. So just to... Wait, call, you want me to be quiet? I don't okay. want you to be quiet. But so was that the first like event you did was... Because that, was, that wasn't a fundraising event, right? It was just a patient and family No, event. it was a fundraising event. It was the ALS Express Express bike ride, which ended in Maury's Piers. It right. started at that time at um, a college in Blackwood, New Jersey. And we rode through the blueberry box of New Jersey. I remember mapping out that route. And um, it ended at Maury's Piers. Because New Jersey box. is a big blueberry state. New Jersey is a big blueberry state. People and don't know that. I leaned over and helped mark that route the entire time. And um, meeting Shonda and meeting the Phillies' wives was eye-opening for me because I never saw such an involved group. I, I don't mind saying that my background is that I was with the American Cancer Society for 10 years, and before that I was a copywriter and I, mm -hmm. it's what I still love to do but the Phillies involvement trumps anything else that I have ever seen they, we have been partners with that team since 1984 Nancy and Bill Giles and Lynn and Dave Montgomery have led that effort since 1984 and here we are 2017 can you do that math I'm not good I, at I, didn't, I was told there would be no math Okay, <laughs> and they're still there and it's just awesome. It's, it, it blows my mind. The Phillies Festival, which is what it's called today, raises somewhere in the neighborhood of $700,000 a year. It just blows your mind. And you, you went to a, that. You, it wasn't, was it called the Phillies Festival? No. It was the autograph party when you it's started, right? It actually started as a fashion show, the but wise was, fashion show. But it wasn't show. a fashion show anymore when you started. No, then it was called the autograph party and auction. Right. But they still had what they have today. It was a night they of just fun. They just didn't call it the festival again. It was, right. still, it was the festival without being called the festival. 
Right. And I still have pictures of John Weber 20 years ago. Did you talk to John Weber? Absolutely <laughs> talk to John Weber. He is an amazing. They're all amazing. We just, we just like to joke that we're afraid. They really, really are. And um, I was not integrally involved with the team. Ellen Phillips, who really spearheaded this organization. And her parents. Mal and her parents, Morton and Malvina, who I knew extremely well. They um, they were the principal um, facilitators with the team, but mm -hmm. peripherally, I was involved every year. I I have never missed a festival in twenty years, and um, that's a good thing because yeah. it's a great group of people. And you just have to envision our patients always got to meet the team. It used to be on the field, and I can remember patients like Dick Bergeron and Fred Dixon and Fred Kanzler and Barbara Levinchuk, who still goes to the festival, and Scott Mackler, who unfortunately is no longer with us, and Shelby Oppenheimer, and all these people were on the field meeting the players. And that is such a cool experience. That was back when the Phillies were in Veterans Stadium. Then when they moved to Citizens Bank Park, we basically moved that, <clears throat> excuse me, that meeting to indoors. But the players and the patients still got to meet each other. And I can't say enough good things about those interactions. And you know what's cool is, like, one, you've been here 20 years, and you mm -hmm. look back and you remember all those people. I've been here six years. <laughs> So I remember all the people, not I mean, not every single person, but we remember all those names and faces when we look back on it. And the Phillies are the same way. Like, that's a pretty, it's a unique thing, because you worked at the Cancer Society, great organization. Yeah. But it's, it's hard to find big sponsors that just have that kind of connection where they go above and beyond, they remember people. And, I mean, nothing against Barb Levinchuk or Shelby Hoppenheimer, but they're just, like, a regular person. They're obviously a super person, with what they've done, but the Phillies treat them just like they're a star on the team. They totally do. It's just amazing. Being the principal charity of the Phillies since 1984, more than any other thing that has happened to this chapter, has helped us become what, in my opinion, is just my opinion, don't argue with me, the preeminent ALS organization in the country, if not the world. People I have heard stories of patients and families actually moving to Philadelphia because they know that they're going to get good care. And a big part of that is because of the support we have received from the Phillies. So yeah. I do want to say one funny Philly story. Oh, yes, yeah. Exactly. Okay, so... We're going we're gonna to take a break in a little bit to go into part two later. Okay, I'll be real... Have I talked that much? Okay, so one time... We have this thing called Sponsors Night. We have some amazing sponsors who have been with us since we began, pretty much. The Cranser family, Independence Blue Cross, the Farber families, the Berman families, um, so many others. Uh, used to be Smith Barney, um, Kessler Topaz Meltzer and Check. just great companies who have supported this event. And so we have a night for them, and we carry signs onto the field, and we... Flip over the signs, and when you flip over the signs, one side has the sponsor's name, the other side adds up to the total amount raised that year. And one time, for some inexplicable reason, I was asked to go onto the field. And I was so nervous, and I led the pack off the field, and I somehow managed to walk in 
to the um, dugout, the Phillies dugout, where Chase Utley was standing there. He was a phenomenal second baseman for the team. And since Chase time. Utley was, this was years after, it wasn't like, oh, this is my first day. No, I have been was, here. This was not my first day at the rodeo. Chase Utley looked at me and escorted me personally out of the Phillies dugout. <laughs> and I can see the conversation in the dugout being like, oh, Chase going to all the players, but I, it's Joe Dog. <laughs> Like, you probably much. remember, you, you've probably been to his house. <laughs> no, but I've been to a lot of people's houses. And I, I just want to finish up with the Phillies. Um, we've had many wonderful, wonderful players. It started with Mike Schmidt, Tug McGraw, all these great people through the years who have supported our organization, not just at the festival, but throughout the year, at golf outings. But really, Kurt Schilling was amazing for the ALS cause. And his wife Shonda. Oh, you know. uh, yeah, and his wife Shonda. And they named their first son Garrick, for God's sake. Back. I know, that makes me feel bad for naming my kids. You know, nothing interesting <laughs> person. <laughs> um, it, it was so really, they need to be mentioned and they deserve my utmost. Um, respect for all that they've done for the ALS cause. Yeah, because like you mentioned, they, a lot of these people, the Schillings, the Morandinis, um, obviously the Giles family and Montgomery's, they, they did more than they had to do. Like if they did the festival and didn't talk to us again the rest of the year, no one would bat an eye and say, now I hope, I don't want them to stop doing so, but you know, they go above and beyond in ways that we would never expect anyone in the world to do. We're so lucky. We have the Philly Fanatic come to our patient holiday party. The Philly Fanatic comes to our um, annual luncheon. With this year is going to be a gala on November 9th at V in Philadelphia. I had to throw that in. It's our 40th anniversary gala celebration. And you can get your tickets now. Right now, and for a few more days left, this podcast is going up um, in July. So there's the early bird special. Go to alsphiladelphia.org slash gala to get your tickets. And uh, Mitch Album and the Hooters will be there, right? Yes, I. Okay, since we're talking about it, how much more time do I have left? Well, just a couple minutes. Okay, right? okay. We're, we're gonna go to part two, so don't. Feel oh, can I just talk about the Hooters? Go ahead. Tell okay, us. and Mitch Album. So Mitch Album, who wrote Tuesdays with Maury, and it is the twentieth anniversary of the publication of that book. Mitch Album has been at several other ALS events. He was um, came when he wrote a book for One More Day. We had a little reception that was awesome. We honored him at our annual luncheon one year. He spoke at our annual luncheon a few years back. It was so riveting. You could hear a pin drop in the room. It, it was crazy. He is amazing. He is not only a storyteller, he's incredibly personable, he's caring, he's dynamic, and he really brings the ALS story home. And this year, he will be a speaker at our gala in celebration of the 20th anniversary of his book, Tuesdays with Maury, which um, was a chronology of his relationship with his college professor, Maury Schwartz, who had ALS. And also at the gala will be a very special guest, the Hooters, which is in a singing group out of Philadelphia. And we're going to have three original members of the Hooters, uh, Rob Hyman, Eric Brazilian, and David Usikinen, don't quote me on that pronunciation, and they will be doing an acoustical performance at this gala, and I basically stalked them. Is acoustical a word? Acoustic. Acoustic. Sorry. 
Anyway, they're going to be awesome. They're they're great. Uh, they wrote music for Cindy Lauper time after time. Yeah, we don't need to sing. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, um, join us at the gala. It's on November 9th. And uh, we're going to be talking more about the Phillies there. And we're going to talk about the Phillies more in part two as well. And we're going to talk about some walk experiences, uh, how the chapters change, and some more what happened when with Joan in part two. Do I have to stop now? Well, we're going to keep going really in the next minute. Okay. So don't, don't worry. God, more um, of Joan. But I hope you listen to this because some of the names I've mentioned, I unfortunately left some out because I can't think of them all. It's not just these people. It's everybody. It really is. So please remember that. So, um, again, go to alsphiladelphia.org slash gala to get your early bird seats. And make sure to follow us on social media, all at ALS Philadelphia. And look for part two of this podcast, What Happened When with Joan Borowski. Wait, wait, wait. Are you going to tell me everything that I did wrong on part one now? No, we're just going to. Okay. <laughs> you did everything right. Uh, and thank you for listening. Again, subscribe and share and continue to comment. Uh, we appreciate your support.